Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we're going to focus on the physical, financial, and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, we're talking about Budgeting 101 with Amy Grice, BMD, MBA. Dr. Grice practiced for more than 20 years before starting veterinary business consulting. She advises veterinarians and practice owners on a wide variety of projects and challenges. This Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Decra Veterinary Products. Thank you, Dr. Grice, for joining us on the Business of Practice podcast to talk about Budgeting 101. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is a really great topic. Well, we all know budgeting can be hard, whether it's for personal or business purposes. So in this podcast, Dr. Grice is going to try and simplify the process while helping us understand how important it is to follow a budget in order for your practice to be profitable. So Dr. Grice, let's start with why should equine veterinary practices have a budget? You know, budgeting gets a really um, bad rap and just the word budget is enough to make people run for the doors. <laughs> but really, it's just a financial plan. It's a financial plan for the future so that you don't get surprises. And so, you know, back in 2008, which seems like, you know, just yesterday, but also a very long time ago, in the fall of 2008, I was a partner um, in a fairly big practice, and we did a lot of work with thoroughbred breeding farms. And in the fall, the stock market dropped precipitously. It was so sudden and scary and Within days, we got a phone call from one of the bigger breeding farms who provided us with about $200,000 of gross revenue each year. And they said, we're closing our doors as of January 1st. And wow, we were like, oh my God, what if this is, you know, what if the, there, there are others, what if others close their doors? What are we gonna do? And we only had several months and all of us began to feel frightened. So what I did to help my partners was I made a spreadsheet. I got last um, the, the year's P&L from the previous year, put it in a spreadsheet, which is fairly easy to do in QuickBooks. You can just have it exported. And then I made some columns where we could start to play with different scenarios of what we could possibly do. And, you know, I projected it up on the board for my partners so they could see. And everybody was like really tense. But as we went through the exercise and we looked at, okay, so we're going to have this much less in revenue from reproduction. That means we'll have a little extra time on our hands. Could we maybe make a little extra income in one of these other areas where we do work? Maybe. Or are we going to need to change our prices just a little bit in certain aspects? Or what's going to happen to our revenue? Then I was able to go down to the expense part and look at what expenses would be less considering we're going to these breeding farms less. Would we have less hours for assistance? You know, would be, we be using less medications? So we could adjust that a little bit. And then we actually looked at what was going to happen. And we looked at some of the expenses that we had that were not absolutely fixed. And we looked at ways that we would need to tighten our belts. 
And so we were able to work through it together. And by the end of that meeting, you know, none of us felt so frightened. And my partners were so just so grateful to have a plan. It felt so different to know that we were going to be okay. And so I tell you that story because we don't know what's going to happen in the future in this upcoming year. There's some some difficulties arising perhaps because of, of COVID and um, people um, having less jobs. The unemployment rate is fairly high still. We don't really know what will happen. Um, I'm optimistic, but um, it is always good to know what the the future looks like for you financially, and then you can make uh, a, you can make changes if you need to. It's a pretty simple process to make a budget. First, you sort of need to understand what a P and L is, though. That's a profit and loss statement, and it is the form in which a budget actually you know sits. And it's it's so simple. It's basically money coming in and then money going out and what's left over. And as you look at the money coming in, usually you can look at the previous year and think, huh, will I make about the same amount of money? Do I think I'll make a little more? Maybe I should be a little cautious about my you know, about what I'm expecting, but at least I think I'll make as much as last year. Then you can look at your expenses um, from the previous year and you can say, hmm, this is the year I have to pay for my DEA license. It's every three years. I didn't have to pay that last year. And so you'd add that expense for that year. So you just look very carefully through all the categories of expense See if there's areas where you could pare down or areas where you could um, have to spend more perhaps that year. If you, if you have the need to purchase a piece of equipment, you're going to have to have the money to pay for the principal and interest payments on that piece of equipment. So you need to add those to your budget. Fortunately, if you're using QuickBooks, you can very, very easily produce a budget into Excel. You can export your figures from the previous year. Probably the easiest way, because everybody uses a different version of QuickBooks generally. Some people are online, some people have a desktop version. But if you Google how to make a budget in QuickBooks, um, they not only give you step-by-step -step directions, and it is very simple, actually, by the way, um, you can also find videos if you're more of a visual person than, you know, just reading about it. So it ends up being fairly um, easy to make one. Um, often QuickBooks will give you your budget as a monthly. And that can work really well because many of us have expenses that come at different times of the year. And sometimes those expenses come at times of the year when our cash flow is pretty low. Like in the Northeast or in the North across the country in the winter when it's very cold and snowy, a lot of times there's not a lot of work, but you end up with that's when your professional liability is due um, and you have a bunch of things that you need to have money to pay for. So having a budget allows you to look forward and plan for those things, put away a little bit of money for those things that you know are coming.
So it is um, a way to feel more confident in how you're going into uh, the year upcoming, knowing what your fixed expenses are going to be. Because those fixed expenses, they don't change whether you break your leg and don't work for two months. You still have to keep the lights on and your cell phone working and pay the insurance on your truck. So fixed expenses, you need to know the amount of money that you need in order to pay those. And that's what a budget will do for you. Well, I was going to say, you mentioned a few things that I think people sometimes forget when they're doing their budget, like their fees or their insurance that only happen once a year. How do, how do you make sure that you've got all of those in when you're working on your budget? Well, the important thing is not to depend on your memory. One of the things you could do is go into your checkbook and look what you paid, but it will be simplest if you use your QuickBooks because all of those expenses, all of those checks that you wrote should be in QuickBooks. And they're categorized by different accounts, whether that's postage, or office supplies, utilities, electricity, telephone, the garbage collection, whatever it is, they're, they're um, segregated in different accounts. And what's great about that is that you can look year over year as you create a budget each year in Excel and see how that's changed because has anybody ever had their utility bill go down? over the previous year if you were in the same place or your telephone bill or your insurance bill or you know things tend to creep up and the important thing about that is that you notice that things creep up and so if you need to make adjustments in your fees so that you then are not losing ground year after year after year you know that you need to do that because otherwise if you you could suddenly say, gosh, I'm spending several thousand dollars more than I was, say, five years ago, and I haven't adjusted my fees at all. I feel like I don't, I, you know, I'm having trouble paying my bills. I'm having trouble paying the loan payment on my DR. I don't know what's going on. I'm working just as hard as I ever did before. And this is what happens. It's budget creep. So if you look at it regularly every year, um, you'll be able to uh, avoid that that creeping creeping sense of not having as much money. The other thing to do is to uh, make sure that you do what's called a budget to actual. So you've made a um, basically a plan or a projection of what your coming year is going to look like. And when it slows down at the end of the year, that's a great time to look at what actually happened next to your budget budget. Now, many of you will not be disciplined enough to look at it every month or even every quarter, um, but I would say if you could at least look at it once a year, you'll start to um, see how well you're projecting and see um, if you have been able to stay within your budget, and if not, why not? And for those veterinarians out there who are either just starting out or who maybe have been doing this for a while and 
face it, when they go to their tax person, CPA, whatever, every year, they pretty much take in their shoebox and their checkbook. They don't have QuickBooks. So how do we, how can you get some help if you're not a financial person? I don't want to handle this. What can I do, though, to make sure my business is running like a business? Decra Veterinary Products is proud to sponsor Equimanagement's The Business of Practice podcast. Decra's equine product line includes Osphos, Clotronate Injection, Orthokine Vet IRAP 10 and 60, Osteocon PRP, Equidone Gel, Thumperidone, the Vetivex line of parenteral fluids, Phycox EQ Joint Supplement, and a comprehensive line of topical dermatologic products. The recent addition of Zymeta, Diaperone Injection, further expands Decra's equine offerings. For more information about Decra's products, please visit decra-us.com. Well, certainly there's lots of options out there. Um, typically, anyone who is um, working to prepare your taxes will have the ability to prepare a simple budget for you. Um, business consultants can do it as well. Or if you have um, the time and the inclination, you can sit down with your checkbook and you can can write things into categories, just like in the old days where you had actually a ledger book that was on paper with different columns for different things that you might spend money on. It's things like um, telephone, electricity, gasoline, and other vehicle expenses. Um, all those things that you find yourself writing checks for, for your professional liability insurance or other insurance. And so you could just keep a ledger like that with pencil and paper, although I would recommend that you get actual ledger paper because when usually you have so many columns that you can't possibly do it on regular paper, you'll make yourself crazy. Um, but you can do it that way, um, which will really help you. It's it's a lot more time and effort, though, I will tell you. But it can be done. And when someone is working to create their budget or working in their budget, what is it that you recommend that they look at? What are, what are the problems? You mentioned before, uh, like the, the budget creep. Where are the things that veterinarians need to watch in their budgets? So certainly, um, when you're looking at your budget, there is some uh, at mathematics that happens, especially in Excel, um, that you can utilize in, an equation just to do a subtraction. So, or you can do it yourself with the calculator. You want to take your total revenues and subtract your total expenses because there should be something left over. When you own a business, you should have a reward for owning a business because otherwise you just own a job. And so there should be money left over and that money is your net ordinary profit. And you deserve that, you deserve that because it isn't easy running a business. You've got to do things like make budgets. <laughs> And so you deserve to have something left over. If you find that the amount that's left over um, from year to year is getting smaller and smaller, both as an absolute number and or as a percentage, that should get your attention because that means that your expenses are likely to be starting to outstrip your revenue. 
And again, I'm going to go for the folks who are either very new at this or have not done it themselves very well over the years. And they're, they're here because they're saying, okay, I recognize I need to do something different. Tax returns are a good source of getting started if you've never had a budget before because you've had to collect that information. Mm -hmm. So where else, you mentioned your checkbook. I mean, where else do you want to make sure that you're not missing things that can that should be in your budget? Well, certainly you're going to get your total revenue figures from your uh, veterinary software if you have that or from your veterinary um, records where you're keeping track of your billing and your invoices. So that's going to give you your total revenues. You also want to look carefully at what your accounts receivable are because if you are billing out the work, but you're not receiving the payments, that's going to really affect your ability to have cash flow to pay your obligations. So that's really important to, to know how that is how, how that is going as well. One of the things that you can do as you collect this information is that you can think about it in some sort of broad categories to see how your practice is doing compared to average practices across the United States. And we do have some of those figures. For ambulatory practices, typically the cost of professional services, which includes the drugs and the medical supplies, um, outside as well as inside laboratory fees, medical waste, things that kind of you use in order to provide services, Typically, the cost of those things added up together is about 25% of your revenue. And that's an average across the country of ambulatory practices. So then when you think about things like um, employee expenses, employee expenses are the most expensive thing that most practices have. And if you have a small practice, where you don't have too many employees, um, typically, and this includes the pay for the veterinarian for being a veterinarian, and this is where a lot of people sort of don't consider being like paying themselves as a veterinarian. So think if you broke both your arms and legs and had to hire somebody to be you, what would you have to pay them, right? And so put that in as as like as an expense because you are working and you need to be paid. So employee expenses include payroll taxes, workman's compensation, any benefits, 401k, health insurance, things like that. And typically in a small practice that is um, earning less than $2 million, that percentage, including the veterinary pay, is about 30, maybe 34%, 30 to 34. Um, In practices that are bigger than that, that number is typically 45 to 46%, because once you get over a certain size, you need a lot more administrative stuff because there's so many balls in the air that if you don't have people juggling them, they just fall to the floor. Now, when we talk about administrative expenses, and those are things like um, office supplies, postage, printing, accounting fees, bookkeeping, maybe a payroll service, um, 
dues and subscriptions, memberships in AAEP or AVMA, um, typically in most practices that cost you four and a half to five and a half percent of your revenue. The next category is um, bank charges and collections, and this is almost entirely credit card fees, merchant fees. That's usually about 1.2, sometimes as much as 1.5%. And then the last category is facility and equipment expenses. And that includes things like vehicle expenses. If you have an office, the rent or lease for you to be in the office, uh, telephone, electricity, website, internet service, um, equipment repair, uh, any equipment service contracts that you have, um, all of those types of things. And in an ambulatory practice, that will cost you six to eight percent of your revenue as an average across the country. And so if you are able to put these things into some these broad categories, you can kind of see how your practice is doing. And that can be really helpful. And let's go back to something I know that you're very passionate about, young veterinarians. Mm -hmm. So most of our young veterinarians are coming out of school with debt. How is the best way for them to budget? Because they're thinking, oh, I don't make much money and everything's going out. But they need to take care of themselves, too. So what are the tips you have for young veterinarians? I think young veterinarians need to be really careful about the employment positions that they accept, that they not be afraid to negotiate for um, salaries that will be able to support them. Now they have to understand that that comes with needing to be able to go out there and produce enough revenue to support themselves at the practice. But they also need to think about um, paying down the highest interest debt first, because obviously interest is is accumulating on balances. So you want to pay more on the higher interest. Uh, you want to try to to stay within a budget. Personally, um, it's really hard after um, holding back on having fun all that time in vet school and. And then, you know, you start your working life and you think, finally, finally, I'm going to be able to actually get a new car or be able to afford a nicer place to live. Well, if you have a lot of educational debt, you may have to continue to keeping your belt a little tight for a little while while you try to pay down that debt as fast as you can. One of the ways to be most financially successful as a veterinarian is to own your own practice. So that's something that you should keep in mind as you um, go forward into your career. And I know that that scares a lot of people and it's not what some of the young veterinarians coming out of school today want. So I think that's some good tips on making sure that you're, you're able to produce, but that you're also watching what you're paying out on your debts and not just saying, hey, now I have a job. I can go on a trip or buy a new car, as you said. So just some good tips for, and that, that's true of most young people coming out of school today, not just veterinarians. Yes, when I graduated quite a few years ago, 
I had almost 90,000 in uh, educational debt. And, um, you know, I felt like my disposable income on a monthly basis allowed me to buy a pizza <laughs> once a month. Um, it was pretty grim. Um, but, but, you know, as the years went by, and, you know, I think I was six years in practice and I became a partner in the practice, so an owner. And and I had such an incentive to grow the practice and make the practice more successful and, and better and better. And as the years went by, um, you know, I didn't even really think so much about my educational debt. I did, I had, um, I had taken it over 25 years. And so, um, you can imagine by the time I made the last payment, um, <laughs> it's like, wow, I've been doing this a long time. But it it was behind me and I didn't even think about it um, in those final, you know, probably 10 years or 15 years because I was doing well financially at that point. Well, are there any other tips that you might suggest to veterinarians? It doesn't matter what age or stage they are about budgeting for their practice? I think that it's it's important to uh, think about the equipment and the technology that you have in your practice because um, technology gets outdated and starts to um, fail to work, usually at the most inopportune moments. And so typically what I recommend is that people think about their technological equipment there, whether it's a DR or an ultrasound or the computers that are running their software, that they think about a five-year lifespan. And it may be that they get a little longer than that, but in terms of budgeting and each year, perhaps putting away a little bit of money toward that purchase that they know is going to be coming, um, would be a very good idea. Well, that's a great suggestion. And thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. Grice. We really appreciate it. And we want to thank our audience for joining us for the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Decra Veterinary Products. Please visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network, such as iTunes, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, to hear each episode of the Business of Practice. If you have any questions or suggestions, you can send me an email at kbrown, that's the letter K Brown, at aimmedia.com. The Business of Practice podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network.